0: Do you ever feel all alone out there running your landscape, hardscape, or outdoor living business, struggling in silence to grow and scale profitably with fewer employees, wishing there was a better way to make money in this industry without all the insanely long hours and ridiculously hard work? You're not alone. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. Each week, our tribe comes together to empower business owners to add more profitable services by teaching how to successfully hire and manage subcontractors. Join my inner circle mastermind. Gentlemen, it's time to start winning. For more information, email me hello at yes.express. Again, it's hello at yes.express. Now, let's get on with the show.
1: So, what I do is when I feel that stress of fear, I flip it and I just say, You know something? I think this is making me excited about an opportunity because I'm now taking this quote unquote bad thing in the future and saying, this might be an opportunity for me to grow, to expand, to get to another level, to get closer to that future version of Jermaine that I know I can do just by taking step by step by step.
0: Hello and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. I am on a mission to scour the globe, to find and interview the most brilliant mindset coaches, sales strategists, and business leaders alive and present them in a way that landscapers, hardscapers, and outdoor living pros can immediately put them into use to grow and thrive. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 27 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, Let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And this week, we have Jermaine Cheatham on the podcast. And he, oh, he's he got so many different things that he does in his background, but he's a founder of Creators Learn. He helps entrepreneurs create simple, lucrative businesses using systems. And he's done a lot of good stuff over there. And I had him on the show because he focuses deeply on fear, right? He's got a uh, philosophy around fear. You know, it's as simple as if you fear it, you need to face it. We talk a lot about that here in a podcast. We all face fears, including myself, on a daily basis. So the question is, what do we do with that? Do we let those fears run our lives and keep ourselves in a box? Or do we face those fears and see, when, see them for what they truly are, which is most of the time bullshit? So... You face fears. Keep on listening. Hey Jermaine, I'm so excited to have you here on the show today. You know, listeners out there, you're, you're going to probably be a little confused when I start to tell you what we're going to talk about today, right? So, what I brought Jermaine on here to the show for is is he specializes in focusing on one thing that we all deep down truly want, and that's freedom, and that's freedom from uh, everything in our lives. Freedom from worrying about money. Freedom from worrying about new projects. Freedom from worrying about you know what people think from freedom in all parts of your life. And I know that this is what Jermaine has spent a ton of time researching and getting into and really teaching. So I wanted to bring him on here so he can teach us what freedom truly is and how as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, how we can get more of it. Because deep down, that's what our soul wants. So Jermaine, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Joshua. Great to be here, man.
0: Absolutely. So I want to dive right into this. Tell me what freedom is to you and why, or not why, sorry, we all know why, but how can we get more of it?
1: So freedom to me is really a few things and it starts with financial and then that bleeds into time freedom. Then it bleeds from there into location freedom. And then from there, it ultimately the ultimate goal is mental freedom. And that is just a trifecta or the four things you really want when it comes to freedom in your life. And Most entrepreneurs struggle with all four of those at the same Mm -hmm. time because they don't understand the concept of a lead domino. And when you push over a lead domino from focus, from leverage, and leverage is not a bad thing. Most people think of leverage as debt, but leverage is you just put a little inning and a lot out. Mm -hmm. And once you're able to push over the lead domino, then all those other dominoes open up for you. So, you know, freedom is the ultimate goal because like we were chatting about earlier, we die. So while I'm here, I actually want to die while I'm alive. And the only way I can die while I'm alive is to completely let go of my mental freedom, my financial freedom, my time freedom, and my location freedom to be here to experience this awesome opportunity we call life.
0: That's, That's awesome, dude. So how do we do that? How do we let go of all those things?
1: Well, first, it starts with getting clear about what you actually want. And most people think about what they don't want. And unfortunately, that line of thinking doesn't get you anywhere. It's just a a negative spiral. So the first thing is get clear about what do you want? Where do you want to go? Where do you see yourself? And where's the gap between your ideal self, this vision of the perfect you, the perfect Jermaine? And where's Jermaine now? And every moment and every action you take Needs to be filtered through that lens of is this actually going to get me closer to that ideal, ideal germain, and you want to be in congruent with that ideal germain. So if the ideal germain says he doesn't eat past six p.m. because he likes to fast for twenty hours a day because he feels better, he feels more clear, he has more energy, more focus, then at six fifteen when he's hungry or he thinks he's hungry, he doesn't grab a burger and fries. He just has a soda water. So it's all about compressing who you are today into who you want to be. And you act in the moment as if you're already that person. That's the first step of freedom. And it's baby steps. Once you start adding those on, it starts to snowball and you'll see different aspects of your life start to come alive and different results start to blossom because you are focused on the right things.
0: So if you're out there, Um, you know, if you're speaking to somebody that's listening, that's like, I don't really know what I want. Like for me, that was that for a long time was just, I was a drifter. I was like, every day, I just want to get up and just be a little better than I was yesterday. And you know, each, each day is good. I'm fine. Right. Um, what do you tell people that are, you know, not really clear of what they want in life and they're just kind of happy where they're at?
1: What I always do. It's always helped me is I have a, a vision workshop. It's on my website. You guys can get it for free. But what it does is it gives you the space. A lot of us don't give ourselves space to actually think about what we want. We're working, we go home, we watch Netflix, we go to sleep, we do it over. But if you give yourself a little space, for example, I take almost every Sunday off completely. No devices, no nothing. I just have a journal. And I just write down my concerns, my dreams, my hopes, what stuck with me throughout the week. And how can I utilize that to make myself better, make my business better? And so I would encourage people, to journal at least first thing in the morning or at least before they go to bed. If not, if they, if they're ambitious, then take a Sunday off and have no devices. Don't watch TV. Don't watch football. Get, who, who, who else do you want to develop a relationship besides yourself? It's the most important thing you can ever do. And the only way you get clear about what you actually want is to give yourself space. Now, if you're happy where you are, and this is a genuine acknowledgement then I don't think you need to do anything. My biggest proponent for people is to always trust themselves. That's number one. Number two is see number one. Always trust yourself. Mm. Because when you trust yourself, you're basically trusting the universe. You're trusting God. You're trusting life. And don't ever fight the higher version of yourself. There's lower versions of ourselves and there's higher versions of ourselves. And we know the difference. Because one is coming from a place of love. The other one's coming from a place of fear. One is coming from a place of Attachment and aversion. The other one is coming from a place of steady Eddie. So you always know where you're at. If you tap into what's my motivation here? Is, am I clinging? Am I, is it desire or is it, I'm looking for fulfillment. I'm looking to really um, become more than I am right now.
0: Yeah. That's a good question to always ask. And the self-awareness part of that is a big piece, right? So if you're not self-aware and you don't really understand why these things are happening, or you want to blame other people for your problems, instead of realizing that all those problems are yours and you've got to face them head on, regardless of what it is, you own all of that. So, so much of it is how you react to how other people, you know, give you things to look at you react to them and then you get a story you put around them. So really it's a matter of, first of all, are you in the right tribe? Are you with the right people, right? Because, you know, if, if you lay with dogs, you'll probably get fleas. And if you, if you know, you become the aggregate of the five people you spend the most time with. So making sure you're in the right circles to begin with, and then starting to self analyze, you know, to your point, like starting to get into and say, okay, what really drives me? What do I love to do? What do I not love to do? Shut the TV off, shut all the chatter off, shut all the devices off, shut all the shit off that gets you disconnected from yourself, right? shut all that off and say, who am I? Without all the busyness, without all the doing, without all the the stuff going on in my life, who am I? That's a question that most, including myself for many years, was afraid to ask. I would love to stay busy. I wanted to stay busy because when I stayed busy, I didn't have to answer that question because I didn't have the answer to that question. Right? Have you found that to be the case with some people They They, some people like know it right away. They know exactly why God put them on this earth and and they know exactly what they're doing. And others are just trying to figure that out. And, you know, we find ourselves distracted constantly by choice because ultimately we don't have to answer that question.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's spot on. Um, I think also from that first lead domino, now that you're clear about, okay, who am I, who am I really, what really motivates me? Right. And who do I really want to be? Do I want to, make a million dollars a year, or am I okay with $500,000 a year? Or do I need to make whatever it is? Be clear on actually what you want and why you want it. And then from there, you start examining, okay, the business I'm in and the way it's currently structured, is it going to get me there? Because I'm in the proponent of, I like leverage. So I want to make sure if I'm doing something, it gives me a, a very high return. So very high profit margins. I don't want to be spending a lot of time. I'm looking for ways to make my life easy. And so there's something you need to examine in your business is, hmm, how can I make this a more efficient system where I can make more in less time by using really other people? So maybe that's employees. Maybe that's partners. And I don't mean business partners. I mean partnerships where Mm -hmm. you don't have to chase the deals. You don't have to chase the clients. They do it for you, and it's aligned where everyone's on the same page and everyone is actually rowing in the same direction, so it's a win-win-win. And most businesses are win-lose transactions because they're not looking for mutually beneficial partnerships. So once you start to align these dominoes up, you start to realize, oh, so if I get my mind right, I get my business model right, it unlocks all this freedom and all this time, money. And then I can figure out how can I make this so it's digital so I don't have to be physically there. Because the physical thing is a huge problem. It's always been for me. And most people just, they don't want to have to actually do it themselves. So from this whole process and during the process is you start to get clear also mentally. Because the more you become congruent with that future version of yourself, the happier you are. you don't even have to try. You just feel good because you are living up to that highest ideal.
0: Yeah. And when we had a guest on last week and he was talking about, um, you know, the same kind of a concept that your mind really doesn't, can't differentiate what is real and what's not real, right? So when you start pre-paving this idea of what your ideal future would look like and you start living in that now present, it starts to become reality, right? Because your mind can't differentiate what is real and what isn't. It's whatever you make it to be. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about, You know, business, you have to really ask yourself out there, listeners, you know, will this business that you're in right now, assuming you own one or or you plan on owning one, does it have the capacity to get you where you want to go? Right? That's the big question. Does it have the capacity in its current form? So if the current form doesn't get you where you want to go and you're like, nope, I'm sorry, I'm the chief cork and bottle washer here. And like, you know, I want to make half a million dollars a year. And there's no way that my business in my current situation could do that. I can, I'm maxed out at maybe a 100 or 50 or whatever it might be. And you keep banging your head against the ground trying to figure out how you're going to get this business to get you there. You might have to revisit exactly how you're approaching your business. For instance, if you are a uh, you know an owner operator, or have one or two employees, and you struggle to get where you want to go, maybe it is time to start bringing in trusted partners. We talk about that a lot here, Jeremy. We talk about expanding, you know, the idea of going from a design build environment where you have employees and a whole staff and all that stuff to design manage where you have some staff and a tons of trusted partners, right? So you can expand or contract as fast as you want to. Um, And just finding those, those trusted partnerships is the key, right? You find those trusted partnerships and then you can expand or contract as much as you want to, because really the sky is the limit at that point. So Really, the big question is, will the business, your business right now, exactly as it stands, does it have the capacity to give you the financial freedom that you look for? And that's a decision you're going to have to make. What is that number? It's probably not a billion dollars. It might not even be a hundred million dollars. You might be be able to be completely fulfilled and joyful in your life with a $250,000 a year salary, right? Off a business you can live pretty darn good that way. So you really have to figure out what that is, or is it? $10 million a year, like you have to figure that out. But if you're running a landscaping or hardscaping business, and you think you need $10 million a year, you know, in, in, uh, in profits to do that, it's going to be one hell of a lift, right? Especially if you're going to stay local. But if you say, look, wait a minute here, if I need that 10 million, maybe I need to go into a different business to get there. It's my bigger point, right? You don't, don't slam your head against the wall trying to make what you currently have fit what you will need long term, be honest with yourself, because it may or may not be the right the right business that you're in right now.
1: Yeah. I I had to realize I was in the wrong business when I was young. When I, my first job was I was a landscaper and I was pulling the weeds in my neighbor's yard and I was making five bucks an hour, but you know, I didn't have money before I was 10 years old. So I was happy. I was, I was willing to do the work because I could buy my basketball cards. I could buy my candy. And, but even as a 10 year old, I knew I was never going to do this as an adult because there's no leverage. I knew people that were making a lot more money than me that were not any smarter than me. Everyone's 99.9% the same. The only difference between individuals is focus and execution. That's it. If you actually do the thing every day in day in and day out, that's the only difference between you and Bill Gates. I'm being dead serious. It's focus and execution. That's it. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going to find a business that's leveraged. And so that's when I got into the financial space because it's digital. There's no inventory. I don't have to physically be there. I can do it from anywhere in the world. I'm in Brazil right now. And it's highly lucrative. So it's always like, how can I find the leverage where I just put a little in and I get a lot out?
0: Yeah. And that's that's a good question because to your point of freedom in the beginning when we first started this conversation, you know, when you get true freedom, financial freedom, it gives you time freedom. Right, and then you can start making different choices. Money just gives you more choices, right? And it also gives you um, a lot of different, um, a lot of different things you can do in your life, right? That's the cool part about it. So, I know we've we've gotten pretty far into this. I'd love to get a little bit deeper into your story, Jermaine, and exactly you said you were a landscaper as a as a young person. So, walk us through how you got to where you know from where you are till to where you are now, and what exactly do you do?
1: Yeah, so. My entire life has been this idea of fear. Fear dominates hmm. me. It always has, but I use it as fuel. I always have a saying is follow your fear because it'll actually lead you to where you want to go. The fruit is on the other side of that fear. And so I always just challenged my fears um, in my life. And so when I first graduated from school, I thought, No one's going to trust me. No one wants to talk to me. I'm not a good communicator. I I can't do these things. And so I figured to myself, well, let's just test this. And I got into sales. (laughs) Hmm. Because you're going to find out really quick if if this is a truth, right? You're going to know in sales. And I did not want to make cold calls. I didn't want to knock on doors. But I did it. And everything that I thought I was going to be in sales, I was wrong about. Everything I thought about how people would react to me, I was wrong about. People are friendly. People want to help people that want to help themselves. And as I excelled in sales, I said, well, this is great because you can make a lot of money, but I still wasn't free because I was working for somebody else. I needed to be an entrepreneur. And that was the next progression is you got to burn the boats. You got to do your own thing if you want ultimate freedom. So when I got into my business in finance is... most people think finance is very complex it's not they're lying to you they want you to think it's complex so they can make all the money but what finance is is basically fifth grade math that's the type of Hmm. finance i do if i can tip my waiter at the cheesecake factory this is the type of math i do and so all i do is broker loans uh equipment loans so if you're a business say example a construction business and you need to buy some bulldozers I would find you the loans to buy that equipment and I just broker it to the bank. But the way I structure my deals is um, like I said, I'm always looking for leverage. I don't want to do the work. So all I do is partner with bulldozer equipment sellers Mm. and I become friends with them and they bring me all the deals I can ever want because it's in everyone's best interest. They can sell the bulldozers easier because they offer financing The customer wants to finance the bulldozers because they don't want to pay the cash. Plus they get a huge tax deduction. It's a win, win, win. They do the selling. I just wait for an email to come in. I send the paperwork. It's done. I get paid very uh, hefty commissions. So, but it's not rocket science. Just nobody knows about it. And I think that entrepreneurship in this day and age is available to anybody that is looking for mentors and different business models That will allow them to use this leverage in their advantage and do it anywhere in the world when they want, with who they want, and make as much money as they want, which hopefully will eventually give them that freedom we talked about, that mental freedom where it's like, I can breathe now, I'm in control, I am becoming the person I knew I could be. That's where the freedom really lies.
0: No, I love that. And you're absolutely right. You know, I remember back in the day when I used to have the design managed company in my family, and you know, we had to be there. Five days a week, six days a week, right? And I grew up in the garden center. So we were there seven days a week. We were open every single day through the season. You never had a time off. You know, it just wasn't the case. So I know when we first started the outdoor living company, it was nice because I only worked five days a week. And the weekends I actually had to myself, unless I wanted to work a Saturday by choice. So I felt a little bit more freedom there. Like, holy moly, I actually have weekends. And then I started thinking about it after many years. I'm like, what would it be like if this business was, to your point, more digital? Like, what if I didn't have all the equipment and all the headaches of the employees and and all the stuff that happens with owning a design build side where you have all the people in house? I said, I see the big home builders. I see the pool builders. They're all doing design managed model. Like they're all looking at this saying, you know what, I know I can hire the very best for each of these categories, whether it's hardscape or landscape or whether it's the pool builder, whether it's the structure builder, whatever it might be. So what if we did it that way? What if we then found the right people? I didn't have to employ them. They became a uh, trusted partner of ours. And then I could run this business just about anywhere. I mean, except for the project management side, everything else can be done remotely. So now we can travel. Now we have freedom. Now we have all of those things. And then to you know develop a team that can be there and to be on ground if need be it starts to set you up. And I'm saying this to the listeners out here because for so long, I was so focused on trying to make more money that I put myself and my hours at risk and constantly leveraged the time for the money. And after a while, to Jermaine's point, it's a lot more fun once you start learning this game and it's not complicated. Once you realize, how can I put in the least amount of time and get the most amount on the end, right? And by leveraging other people who most of the time are even better at what you have them doing than you are. That's a hard one for the ego to take because you're like, well, if I'm not there, it's not going to work out or my God, everything's going to go sideways or what are my clients going to think? And you know what? I found the very hard way that most of the team members or actually all the team members that we work with, including our, our inside office team are much better at what they do than I ever was. And that's like sitting back being like, huh, so they don't need me anymore interesting so you know there's just so many things that you go through your mind when you start getting to that freedom like you better be prepared for that eventually you aren't going to be needed if you're doing this right and what does that mean for you with identity right like i'm the business owner yeah you might be the owner but they no customer sees you anymore so who are you right and you go back into like well this is what freedom is like it's a different road you've got to develop over time because it's not about the destination we're after it's about the growth of the person to become the person who can run a company like that. And I wasn't that when I was younger, but it's taken lots and lots of time, but each time a little bit better each day, and then eventually you can do it. So Jermaine, I'd love for you to jump in on that and see what you you found over the years.
1: Yeah, I always feel like life is about levels. And once you get to a certain level, the only option is to recalibrate your mind to where you are at and create a new version of yourself to reach that next level. So you never relinquish complete, autonomy of your future. You're always moving up the ladder of, I'm getting better because now I have these new skills. I'm getting better because now I realize they don't need me. So what am I going to do with my free time now? Now that I have space to think, who do I want to be now? And it's exciting because now you get to grow. There's There's no limit to how big the oak can grow to. So just let it continue to grow. And I remember when I was in college, I had a painting business. And I was thinking about these ideas of how can I leverage this? I don't want to do all the work. I was going door to door. So I got some high school kids to put out the flyers for me. Okay, that's a little bit of leverage. And then I had a crew doing the painting for me. Okay, it's a little bit of leverage. But I realized certain products come with a lot of extra baggage. And with painting houses, there's a lot of baggage because that is people's baby, their homes. And the level of emotions that were involved with the people that own their homes and how they wanted it perfect, I realized I don't want to get involved in a business model that is highly emotional to people that are humans are attached psychology to homes. And so I realized when I got into the the finance arena, there's no attachment to equipment that we're financing. It's just cold, hard machinery. That is, is a utility. It's all it is. It's a utility. So there really is no attachment. So when I thought about this business model, I was like, huh, this is awesome because the buyers don't care. They just care how much money is the bulldozer going to make me. There's no attachment to it. So if it's $800 a month and it's hundred percent tax deductible, where do I sign versus, Hey, it's going to be $8,000 to paint your house. Okay, but here's all my T's and C's about you painting my house, when you can come over, when you can't come over, if you spill on my deck, da, 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 da. So uh, holistically, when you think about a business, you have to take into account who you are, but also who the public is. Humans are humans. We're all the same. And their fears and neuroses are going to pop up. So if you can find a business model that eliminates or minim- minimizes the neuroses or negates it, you're going to have a lot more freedom.
0: No, you're absolutely right. There's no doubt in that, and you know I know a lot of listeners are working around the house, right? So we know that Oto well because they're you know Mrs. Jones comes home and she looks and she's like, I wasn't expecting that boulder to look that way, and the next thing you're like, oh crap, now it's three hours to move that rock around and all that stuff. So to your point, finding ways to to generate cash flow without it being so emotional, and that's why I love real estate so much because once you go out and you find and you kill and you bring it in and you put it in the portfolio. And you've got a, a property manager running it. It's like, all right, next. You never meet the tenants. You never have to deal with the upkeep. None of that stuff if you have it structured properly. So that's I like that kind of business because it can run in the background. I don't have to nearly do a whole lot with that. So it's it's really a matter of thinking just because you're doing the business you're in currently, it doesn't mean it has to be the one you get stuck in forever, right? And you're not stuck with that job. You need to be thinking a little further out. Like, okay, what would be, to, to Jermaine's point earlier, what would the ideal life look like for me? Am I the kind of guy that likes to sip uh, you know, my ties on the beach with my toes up and listen to, you know, Bob Marley and just chill out. Is that my style? Is that life? Is that success to me? Or is it getting into people's lives and helping them and, and driving them and, and uh, leading them like being part of others lives? Is that a big thing for you? Or is it more about, you know, contribution? You want to be part of some organization and grow like, so what is it? You got to get down and clear, like Jermaine said earlier about being focused. Like, what is it? And if you don't know, just go with what feels right right now. And you will figure it out as you go. People ask me quite often, they said, well, how do I find what I really, really love to do? Because I'm young and I don't know where to go and I don't know which direction to go. I said, look, just think of a time in your life when you were doing something that you lost track of time doing and you continuously lose track of time during that thing you do. For me, it was design work when I was younger. Like When I was designing a backyard, I would lose track of the entire day. I would start at seven, eight o'clock in the morning and it was like one, two, three o'clock and I'm still going at this and I could go all night. It was, I lost track of time and I loved it so much that I'm like, huh, maybe I should start a business around this, right? This would be kind of fun. And eventually that changed, right? For me, it's about how do I empower others to grow? That's my big thing that keeps me up and growing all the time, right? So it's, it changes is my point, but when you find something that you would do for free that you can lose track time, track of time doing, I say, you're on the right track. Keep looking down there. What about when you do that, that lights you up? Because there's some truth in that. Is that how you found that as well, Jermaine?
1: Not really, to be honest with you. Mine is a little different. Um, So I believe there's a difference between a, a vocation and a calling and a hobby. And I have a lot of hobbies that I can get completely engrossed in, but they're not really a calling. Um, So I separate the two where I think of callings is literally the, if I ask myself, what should I do? The only thing I should do is the thing that scares me the most because that is life telling me where to go. That's where all the Mm -hmm. fruit is. It's the thing that scares you, but you know, it's beneficial for you. That's where you have to go. That's where, that's where the real gold is. Now, you know, some people like video games, but, that's a hobby, you know. I love yeah. learning. I love reading books. That's a hobby. Now I can I can use learning and reading books to develop my skill set and then use it in my business. But you, you know, separate you know what you lose track of time doing versus like what scares you, but you know it's highly leveraged. It'll develop an amazing skill, and you know there's something there's some fruit there. And that's how I felt about entrepreneurship, about sales, about social media. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. Hell no, not mm-hmm. a chance in hell, but I knew the leverage. I knew the fruit. I knew the idea of just being in the world, completely transparent and sharing what I know is going to allow me to get to that another, next level we talked about where my future self looks at my current self and is proud of the decisions I made today because life is built in moments. This mm-hmm. moment right here is, is a, a building block. And we live too much in the past or the future in our heads, but nothing happens. Those aren't real places. The future and the past are not real. The only thing that's real is right now, I'm looking at the screen and I'm talking to you, Joshua. And the thing that's cool about this, I didn't have to create any of this. This was all a gift from life. This laptop, this computer, the mics, the Airbnb I'm staying in, everything in my life and in your life is a gift. You didn't have to do anything. So it comes from a place of gratitude and appreciation for the moment. And if you don't seize it, just like in the Bible, it'll be taken away. Mm. You, you, You get what you give. And I am a believer in when you take advantage of the opportunities that you realize are in front of you. Even if it's messy, but you try, you get more opportunities. But when you don't. And you know you didn't, that's why you turn on Netflix to try to escape, and you know mm-hmm. you're trying to run, you're on a downward spiral. But one, you're one moment away from making a new, new decision. You're one moment away from pressing off on the TV, getting your shoes on, and going to the gym or going on a run or opening a book or making the call or whatever it is. You're one moment away. So that's the beautiful part about life is you're never stuck with a past decision because there's a new moment arriving every second.
0: You're absolutely right with that. And I love, it. and I love how you focused on leaning into the fear, right? Um, and that is such a powerful point to the listeners out there. Really listen into that because there's things in all of our lives that we fear. And the craziest part is that once you push past that fear and you get to the other side, you realize there's a the biggest lesson right there. And that lesson is what catapults you to that next level. So if there are fears in your life and we all have them, how can you stand and look him face to face today? How can you stand? There's something that scares the hell out of you. Maybe for me, it was public speaking, speaking in general, right? I didn't come from that world. You know, we came as farmers together and it's, it's to, to be able to even have a podcast is crazy enough, right? And, and I started this podcast a long time ago because my fear of speaking to other people was so high. It was crazy because I was in sales too when I was scared to death going out the rejection that was, that I was so scared of in my life. It was crazy. And I said, you know what, what's the, what's one of the, the easiest slash hardest ways to face that on a daily basis? Cause we do podcasts all the time now. So it's like, well, we'll start a podcast. So next thing you know, you start that and then I get to meet cool people like yourself. And then I'm like, all right, well, I don't know this guy from anybody, right? Did a little research on him. That's it. And we're gonna have a conversation. And in my mind, every single podcast is live you know, when I'm playing this out, I'm like, I don't have a chance to go back and erase and do things over again. Like every single one is live. So listeners out there, we do very, very little of any kind of polishing. So it is exactly raw for how it's come out. And it's the matter of the, the discipline of doing this all the time. There's so many times I come onto a podcast and I'm like, I don't even know if I want to do this today. I've got so many other things to do and all the fear. Like, I don't even know who this person is, or this person's like way ahead of where I am in life. All of these things come up and I'm like, you've committed, you're moving forward facing that fear, coming on, having a great conversation with people and then walking away being like, yep, that's one more time that the, uh, the evil one doesn't get me. That's one more time that I'm like, you know what? Yep. I faced that fear, pushed through it. And now I feel even stronger because of facing that fear. So I love that you're bringing that into your practice and that you're having people look at their fears because everything you want to your point is on the other side of that fear.
1: Yeah. And the fear is not even real. It's imaginary, it's not. It's not a real thing. All imaginary. As soon as you do the thing, it's gone. It's almost yeah. like if you notice when you're about to go on vacation and my life has changed because I'm kind of, I travel all the time. So I'm like kind of always on vacation. But the analogy yeah. is when you're about to go on vacation, the actual fun part about the vacation is thinking about the vacation. Yeah. It's the anticipation of the vacation, the planning for the vacation, the imagining of your mind, you, you on Miami beach, your feet in the sand. Once you get there, it kind of goes away. Same thing with fear. It's the exact same thing with fear. It's all the windows and assumptions about how it's going to work out in a negative light. But once you actually do it, it completely disappears. And what I always do when I think about fear, fear is just uh, an assumption that something bad's going to happen in the future. That's all it is. So what I do is when I feel that stress of fear, I flip it and I just say, you know something? I think this is making me excited about an opportunity because I'm now taking this quote unquote bad thing in the future and saying, this might be an opportunity for me to grow, to expand, to get to another level, to get closer to that future version of Jermaine that I know I can do just by taking step by step by step. And then I get excited about going on the podcast or doing the post or creating the business or doing the cold call because the expectation is this is going to make me better versus this is going to be bad. It's all a juxtapose and a reframing in your mind. Reframing is the eighth wonder of the world. If you can reframe anything, it changes your entire life because everything becomes an opportunity.
0: Yep, And you can see yourself, you choose to see yourself winning in that situation. If you go into a situation of fear and you're like, I'm going to lose, man. I'm like, there's no way I can do this. There's just no way. Last time I failed, there's no way this is going to happen. What's the chance of you winning? I mean, seriously, not, not that great. But if you go in there and you say, you know what? This is the time. We're going to do this this time. This time, last time I might have failed. That's okay. I learned something. Now I know more than I did before. We're going to do it again. And the next thing you know, you keep hitting that wall and eventually you crack through it. Right. So it's, it's hitting that. And you're not, maybe you, know, you don't hit that. Maybe you hit that fear the first time and you don't get through. But you learn. I, I often think about, I know in the beginning when I first started in business, I thought, you know what? I'm afraid if something would happen that I would lose it all and it would be all over and I wouldn't be able to rebuild from it and all this, like one bad project or I get sued or whatever it might be. Something would happen and I would be, end up with nothing. That was a fear of mine in the early days. And now I'm, I think, man, 27 years in business. If someone would knock me out today, if it was possible, if someone, I'd be back in no time. And I know that because all the experience, all the failures, all the successes, everything that's happened over the last almost three decades, they compile. And then it's not like you're starting from zero again. You have all of this experience that you can pull from, all of these connections, all of this this bandwidth that you didn't have when you first started out. So the fear of failure becomes less and less if, if you focus on knowing that it really has no control over you anymore.
1: Because you have proof that you've done it before because now Mm -hmm. you have these skills. When you have proof, Mm -hmm. like to your point, there's nothing that will stop you because I've done it before, I'll do it again. The thing Mm -hmm. that stops people because they don't have any proof they've done it before. So when you go into the unknown, all you can do when you go into the unknown is go from a place of curiosity, from a place of, you know I might lose and I might win in this conversation, but I'm not gonna focus on that. How about I just focus on being curious? How about I just focus on, let's see what happens because this is this life happening to me. This is just an experience. So let me actually just be there with the experience and see what happens without the assumption that I'm going to win or the assumption that I'm going to lose. Let me just experience it. And as you do that, you start to get evidence of you become the person that is okay with the unknown. And when you become okay with the unknown, you're unstoppable because you take action day by day, moment by moment.
0: Dude, you couldn't have said any better. When it comes down to it, we crave certainty as humans, right? Tony Robbins says it best. We crave certainty all the time, but it is the number one thing that'll knock you out because there's nothing in life that's certain. So we have to learn as leaders, as we grow, how to manage uncertainty, right? When we go into any sales situation, Jermaine, like we don't know what it is. But to your point, if you go in there with the basis of being curious, you're at a much higher probability of being able to help those people. Then you are, if you go in there saying, I have to win, I have to win, I have to win, basically at at any cost. And the problem is your clients feel that crap. When you go into them curious and you start asking them questions, are we really the right fit for you? The next thing you know, the client's like, wait a minute here, he's not trying to sell me anything. He's trying to figure out if he can help me. This is a totally different shift from everybody else I've talked to so far.
1: Yeah, curiosity is the king that no one ever uses because... It changes not only in business, but just in life in general. You become so much more open to examining life from more of a zoomed-out lens because we're so zoomed into our feet, to what's going on right here, the struggles, the problems. When you zoom out from a cosmic level, none of this shit matters. Nothing matters at all. Like if you lose everything, so I'll I'll sleep in the car until I get back on my feet. Or I'll sleep in the streets until I get back on my feet. So I'm going to die. It doesn't matter. So if it doesn't matter, I might as well do the things right now that do matter that will make me into who I want to be. So I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed by comparing ourselves to Joshua or Jermaine or Mike Mm -hmm. Rowe or whoever it is in the world instead of comparing ourselves to who I was yesterday. Who, I, who was I five minutes ago? Because that's the only person I care about impressing is the future version of me. How can I become that person that does the dishes, that walks the dog, that does whatever the highest version of me would do? Maybe I would say thank you. Maybe I would open the door for somebody. Whatever that person is, when you do that, it's just a snowball it's a domino. And it bleeds into everything you do in life. And you become a magnet to people. And also you become so free that there's not an inkling of desperation. You don't care if they sign the contract, they don't sign, don't care. And when you don't care, people love that because most people care a lot.
0: Yes, for sure. And dude, you just nailed something. I hope the listeners were listening when you talked about competition, right? That is a huge thing, especially as men, right? We're always comparing ourselves to other guys and the ones, you know, we're comparing our week one to their 20th year in something. You know what I mean? Like in business or whatever. Like I just started my business and I'm comparing my business to someone who's been in business for twenty plus years and being like, I'm not there yet. Well, yeah, no shit, they weren't there yet either on week one, you know. And but you you, could, you rob the joy of today out of your own soul because you grow, but you don't want to see it. Their incremental growths because you see such a vast space between you and where are you, the people that you're comparing yourself to. So that that comparison robs you of the joy of today. And to your exact point, if you look at who was I yesterday? What did I accomplish today? And did I grow? And my philosophy is always two millimeters. Did I grow two millimeters today? And I like to focus on four categories. It's faith, family, fitness, and finance. Did I grow two millimeters in each of those categories today? If the answer is yes, it's a successful day. And that, that could be failure, could be the growth. It doesn't always have to be that the bank account went up or I got this or got that. Did I learn something today in order to grow? Because just like we talked about before, whether you fall flat on your face on you know, week one or on year 20, the difference of your perspective is gigantic. And, and year 20, you'd be like, yeah, just get back up and go. I'll live on the streets, whatever it takes. I know exactly how to get back where I want to go. Before you didn't have that, that awareness. You didn't have that insight. So now as you grow, as you consider, just look back yesterday. We call it killing your clone kill your clone from yesterday and grow just two millimeters a day. And if you do like snow, it accumulates and eventually you become this person, but it's it, the joy is in the journey, not in the destination.
1: And a lot of it is just being aware that I look at my principles today. <laughs> Cause a lot of times we want to bury our head in the sand and not even look at what did I focus on? Because if you at least look at your bank account, If you at least look at how much you weighed on the scale, if you at least looked at what you put in your mouth, now you have accountability, now you have data, and now you can reflect on how did that make me feel? And now I can make a new decision. But if you don't look at it, you don't know what's going on, and you just want to act like everything's okay because you're not willing to look at that dark cave, then you can't make any changes, and then you cannot act from your highest place. So it's important to always take Count of what you did today, how you performed, and then in the moment, maybe you didn't do your exercise. Well, if I if it hits my consciousness, oh Jermaine, I didn't do my exercise, it's nine o'clock at night. Maybe I'll say, I'll just do 25 push-ups right now. I did something. Because mm-hmm. you want to start flexing that muscle that I am the type of person that does X. Even if it's only 0001 yeah. percent of what you normally would do, but you're still building that habit of I'm becoming that type of person. And consistency is more important than anything. Even if it's just one push up, you're gonna start feeding that mind to rewire itself to realize, yeah, I'm the type of person that washes the dishes every time after dinner. So just always work on that.
0: No, hundred percent, dude, and you're absolutely right. And you know, the number one way to build more confidence, listeners out there, is to keep the promises you made to yourself. Right into what Jermaine said. If you, at the end of the day, you've had a hell of a day. And you promise that you're going to do 20 pushups and you sit there on a couch, getting the bag of chips out, looking at Netflix and being like, nah, fuck it. That's exactly how you're going to handle the rest of your life. Or in that moment of choice, you stop and say, you know what? I committed. I'm disciplined enough to put the chips down, go do the 20 pushups, get back up and sit down. And that's one check in the box for that confidence side of things. And you start believing the words that you utter, man, does that change the game?
1: And a lot of it's just about engineering your environment so easy. If you engineer your environment, it's really impossible to lose because there isn't temptations to do anything else besides the thing you wanted to do. My entire life is engineered for the most part for success, where regardless if it's what I have in my house to eat, how long, when I eat, when I work, when I don't work, I only work four hours a day because I understand if I'm focused on my highest leverage single activity for four hours, then I can take the rest of the day off and I can go walk and go to the beach or do whatever I want go lift weights. And then I can reflect on, you know, when I was working during my four hour sprint, I noticed this, this, and this, I think tomorrow or next week, I'm going to, during my journal time, I'm going to try this the following week. Let me tweak it. It's all about taking action, reflecting on the action and then, Iterating, And if you just do that over and over again and you create systems and engineer and design your environment to make sure it's, it takes, it, it happens, then you, you don't have to have temptations about the chips or when do I eat or when do I work or when do I go to the gym? No, this is how it's structured. And it's also important to have fluidity too. You don't want to be rigid. Like I always believe the mind is built to be very rigid, but also be very liquid. So if you can have certain things that you're rigid on, but then other things that you're very liquid on, it's this beautiful marriage of getting stuff done, but also not getting anything done.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can go a lot of ways with that one. Sure. But if you jump into the, the, the food thing, for instance, right, if, if you're trying to eat better and healthier and lose weight or just become stronger, whatever it might be and your house is full of garbage right? Snack chips and ice cream and all the stuff that we truly want deep down, right? But if it's packed full of that and you have just maybe one box of salad or maybe one carrot left in the crisper, you know, and it's like, well, the the opportunity for you to make the right decision is there, but not quite as easy to make, right? Especially if you're in a weak moment. So, but if you've bought good food and most of your shelves are stocked with good stuff, then you've given yourself less choices, bad choices to make. And you are now pointing yourself toward a more um, you know, productive and, and purposeful decision to be made. So, um, you know, by, by pre setting that ahead of time, knowing that that's your best self and that's where you want to go, then to give yourself those options is going to be much, it's going to be much more useful than it is going to be to kind of tempt yourself with garbage around all the time.
1: See, I like to eat bad food. (laughs) I like to eat a lot, but Mm -hmm. the way I engineer my environment is I only eat for four or five hours a day. So I can only I can only get maybe two meals in and if I want to have burgers and fries. If not, I'll have salad. I can pick whatever I want, but I can't really eat that much calories in two meals. So I just fast and I get all my work done. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to eat. That takes up too much space in my mind and also makes me sluggish throughout the day when I'm supposed to be working or working out or whatever I'm supposed to be doing. So, again, engineer your environment so it's rigid, but also it's flexible. Because you don't want to be the type of person that dies and never had a Snickers bar. you know. Enjoy your life, mm. but sure. you know, be smart about it. Be wise about it. You know, wisdom is something that m- most people don't think about, but wisdom is just the application of knowledge. Most people know stuff. They learn all stuff in the world. They don't apply it. And without applying it, there's no wisdom because you have no real world experience.
0: No, I, I definitely can agree with you. I mean, I could go on all day with you talking about this stuff. This is great. And I, I love and appreciate the way that you bring fear in as the main focus. You know, look at it. And if, if it looks scary, if that door looks really dark or that uh, cave looks really scary, walk into it because that's really where all the good stuff is. So, Do you have any other, uh, any other thoughts you want to bestow on our listeners here before we wrap up?
1: Um, I know what your listeners are going through because when I was doing landscaping and I was doing painting of houses, It's a thankless job, number one. It's a hard job, but also it's an important job because people are entrusting you with things that they value. And so I would encourage them to try to reframe how they think about what they do for a living from a lens of you're really improving people's lives. Because you might think of it as just cleaning the pool, but you know, Betty, the old lady, she thinks of it as this is her sanctuary for her grandkids to come play. Yeah. And so if you can reframe how you think about you know, what you do for a living from a place of abundance and from a place of appreciation that you may not see, but it's happening. You start to live uh, and think of more options for your future and who you want to become.
0: No, it's so true. And it's all about that reframing. So important. So Jermaine, how can people find you? If they love what you have been saying so far, how can they continue, you know, any kind of relationship or any kind of help from you?
1: They can go to my website, which is creatorslearn.com. I got a a free course, basically, but kind of goes through what we talked about earlier. There's a vision workshop. There's a why workshop, because once you have your vision, is it really yours? Is that really what you want? Why do you really want this? A lot of times our visions are our mom's vision, our dad's visions, our, our nation's vision, our neighbor's vision. It's not yours. And then from that frame, you can start thinking about, okay, now I know where I want to go and why I want it. But what's going to get me there? What kind of business models? What should I sell? Who should I sell to? And how should I sell it? Very important things. And I frame it from a place of you got to find MVPs, most valuable partners. So instead of you doing all the work, you find other people with the leverage, with the audience, with the trust, and they do 80%, 90% of the lifting for you, shooting it the financial freedom, the time freedom, the location freedom, and ultimately that mental freedom. And that entire course takes you through that step-by-step, step, and I encourage you to check it out.
0: Well, thank you, Jermaine, for that. And listeners, go out and take it out and take a look at it. He's got some cool stuff over on his website. And I appreciate you coming on, Jermaine. And uh, guys, we'll see you next week.